This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to a new podcast that we're trying out, which we're tentatively calling The Agenda, given everything we will be talking about in the next half an hour or so has been suggested by members of our Royal Blue Facebook page, which is open to all Evertonians to join. I'm your host, Paul Wheelock, and I'm delighted to be joined by Adam Jones, our Everton FC reporter, and his Echo colleagues, Ian Kroll and Press Trip Blagger, Sam Carroll. That's me. You all right, Paul? Just you haven't even been introduced yet, have you? He you just did. said me. You're not even listening. He's still on his press trip. I'm still in Florida. To Florida. still in Florida. Yeah. It's okay, it's so good. I'll let you off. It was really good. good. I, I like my Florida press mates more I can't. More. I can't <laughs> believe you got off of the press trip before me, still. Weirdly enough, and th- this isn't to go outside this podcast and the people listening to it, but <laughs> I, I got I got stuck to, to one side and they said, Sam, this press trip is for the best looking person at the echo. <laughs> so they went for you instead. Anyway, mate, uh, you did get reminded by Everton while you were over there as well, weren't we, on the big screen? We were on, on the big screen, so how far away is Florida? Must be a couple of hundred miles, mustn't it, from Goodison <laughs> Park? It's fine. Well, it's a couple of hundred <laughs> miles. A couple of hundred. <laughs> and we, the weirdly, they were showing Premier League goals, and out of them all to show, they showed Jesse Lingard scoring on New Year's Day, was it? New Year's Day uh, last year against Everton. So I had a nice reminder, all those, all those miles away. But then I had a good reminder because I forgot that we were playing against Chelsea. Didn't have no... Uh, Wi-Fi on my phone, so it was like to one of the girls get get the score up, get the score up, expecting to see six one Chelsea, <laughs> and we were two 0 up on eighty seven minutes, and then true Evertonian tradition, I, I made her keep the live score up for the last five minutes because <laughs> yeah. I was that convinced they'd score yeah. twice. So and then, so, then you just got wellied. Sam kind yeah, of leaves the country yeah. and Everton beat Chelsea. Wow. Yeah. You, 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 you record yeah. why yeah. reporting on Everton wasn't great, was it? No. It was a, it was a mixed bag. I think it's unfair to call it not great. We <laughs> no, beat, we're great. <laughs> well, we beat Lincoln. We beat Lincoln and Bournemouth. We were hammered by Tottenham. We got, got beat by Millwall. Yeah. And we got beat by... Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> the Millwall game's all you need. Well, the Millwall game was when they, they took me in. They sat me down. They said, Sam, your form isn't good enough. Bringing out... Obviously, Brought me bring back Adam into back the fold. Into the fold. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's got, he's got his focus back now. And <laughs> he's going he's gonna to come back. And we, we've had some okay form, haven't we? Chris yeah, B, yeah. I think Chris B is secretly the worst this <laughs> season. Think? I think we've had the worst results when it's been Phil and B's. Hmm. Okay. Oh, Phil, interesting. Because you were there for like the early season up, up, uplift. Yeah. Phil's yeah. there every week though, so that you can't really count. Yeah, we'll just, yeah. we'll just blame Kate Brad. <laughs> yeah, I think he's only missed like one or two, hasn't he? Like me and B, me and B's did the United game, and uh, that didn't go too well. Yeah, I, I think, think that, that one. That's the only one I can think of. Yeah. yeah. Glutton for punishment, eh? yeah. but a uh, good win on Sunday. But funnily enough, the questions we've received and uh, the topics that's been suggested don't concern Chelsea too much. It's more about uh, what's going to happen in the summer. And I think we've got a good one to start. I'm not just saying that because he's my mate. But Anthony McKellen has said, you are Everton oh, manager friend. for the day. Yes, yeah, come on. Everyone's got to have him. Uh, podcast friend. Yeah, podcast friend. I've got a few, actually. Do you not see the Facebook page? Uh, right, anyway, you are Everton manager for the day. It's the first week in July. We have offloaded Umar Nias, Sandro and Cenk Tosin. And Farhad Mashiri has handed you £50 million to buy a striker to shoot us back into Europe. Who would you buy and who do you think we could get, really? Realistically, in that price bracket. Uh, so this is this is me, is it? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm put, yeah, yeah, purely football I'm manager. Put, I'm putting putting aside any anything that Marcel Brands and Marco Silva have said. Personally, what I'd go for, well, it's two strikers that I've brought up before. I think on like these kind of podcasts, uh, Michi Batshuayi, I would absolutely go for him. I think his record of scoring goals in the Premier League for the amount of minutes that he's actually on the pitch is absolutely incredible. 
think give him chances, he will absolutely put the ball in the back of the net. And I think we've got the kind of players that will give him chances. And uh, the other one that's just really impressed me, especially over the last few months, is that Jimenez from Wolves. Mm, yeah. like, I think he just looks an absolutely quality player. You know, so good at holding the ball up. He's so good at you know finishing when he's inside the box. Like, How old is he? Uh, in mid twenties, is he? He's been with us in the past, hasn't he? I think Jimenez, so. I think. Uh, but like the, the, on, the only drawback that I have with him is I think I, I'm not sh- still not sure whether it's him and Jota as a parent that work so well together rather than just like them individually. Because I think Jota's an incredible player as well, but you know he's what 22, 23, something like that. Like I'm not sure we'd be able to bring the pair of them in, but Jimenez would be the one. I think I think he's. He's got a lot about him. So either one of them too, I think you'd well be able to get them for under 50 million. So yeah, I'll, I'll be targeting them. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because, you know, you look at the likes of, you know, if you say it's 50 million, it's not, it's it's a lot of money, but it's not really, is it? Because we've just paid 40 odd million for Richarlison, haven't we? So you're going to be looking at that realistically. You're going to be looking at that calibre of player who's, who's young and, and you can develop. I honestly think we're going to be in the market for the likes of um, the Bournemouth guy. What's his name? Wilson. Callum Wilson. Callum Wilson and potentially even someone like um, King. I like really, King. I, I like think King. they're good players. Um, I mean, in an ideal world, I would love Everton to go out and spend 60, 70 million on someone like Antoine Griezmann, something like that. Timo Werner. Werner, yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously, but again, is he in the same bracket as, as Griezmann? As in terms of you know levels, of, you know the teams that are going to be coming in for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean maybe yeah. Werner's a bit lower than Griezmann, but I think I would go out and just buy the best quality striker you could you could you could get. Mm. Sam. Yeah, again, I think as Adam said, obviously you know there's been some kind of I think with the likes of Charleston and Calvert Lewin, the potential is that we won't go out and, and sign a big money striker. I think. It's difficult, really, to kind of throw a name into the hat, isn't it? And kind of know, you know, you could say, for example, someone like Timo Werner and, you know, whether he'd come and do it in the Premier League. It's just so difficult. I think we forgot how pampered we were with Romelu Lukaku for those couple of seasons. We had him, obviously, get a new man in the ass back. will be like a new sign as well. <laughs> Trying to get 20 goals The only sign that will ever be set. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I don't even think I can throw a name into the hat I think all the ones mentioned would be decent but you know I think people will be coming week on week a little bit more excited by what Calvert-Lewin could offer if he can mm. become a little bit more consistent with his goal scoring which which would be nice obviously Richarlison can play there but I still think we do definitely need one more body when you think you know the likes of Cenk Tosin and Umanias will probably leave in the summer I think failing all that obviously I'd just bring Stephen Naismith back in as well <laughs> just, just for me <laughs> where is he now? Hart Hearts. He's injured, unfortunately. Though got, got a got a knee injury. Honestly, I keep up to date on my Stephen Naismith news. Don't you? Don't you worry. Big fan of Stephen. <laughs> on a serious point, though, you got on your career, haven't you? Who could potentially yeah. come in? So is yes. he he will be a new signing if we can get the work permit for him. Well, essentially that. Like I've seen a few people saying that maybe a right winger should be our priority rather than a striker. And like if on your is to come in and he is granted that work permit that Everton are hoping he gets in the summer, then. Mm that should really try and go some way to at least solving that issue. You see him Especially, as more of a, a winger rather than a, like an out-and-out striker? I, I would. From from I, I've not seen him loads, like, but from the little I've seen, I think he works a little bit better as a winger than an out-and-out striker. Like, what, about, uh, what about Zaha? Right wing, left wing? Zaha would be... be paying more than 50, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think, I think. that would be a that'd be a major sign if we were able to bring him in. Mm. I think he's got 
he's got so many attributes. You he's know, come he, on, hasn't he? A little oh bit yeah, absolutely. Like, he, he's he's, he's, he's built up as well. Like he's such a strong physical presence now. Mm. Like I think he absolutely could play up front for for like in the style that we want to play. Mm. I think he he could absolutely fit that kind of mould. But I think it's as Wheelow saying there, like Palace are going to be wanting 60, 70 mil for him. I think this time round because he is such such a key player for them. Really, like when he's out that side. Silly know, they, money, isn't it? Oh, silly money. Yeah, for for a, like for that caliber of player, you'd hope you could look into like different leagues abroad. You know, like the German leagues or the Spanish leagues or whatever, yeah. and be able to find someone a little bit cheaper who's got similar sort of attributes. And you know, that's why we're paying Marcel Brands so much money <laughs> at the end of the day. You mentioned on your coro there, Matthew Barry. Uh, Matthew Barry, I should say, another Facebook friend of mine. Uh, he said, <laughs> "How much do you think is, is this going to be?" Theme? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, we weren't struggling for questions either. Well, I maybe, know Matthew. Yeah, good well, lad. Well, he's more my mate. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Matthew. Matthew, you're my mate. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, he says, "If we cannot get a work permit for on your like, how much do you think we could get for him? Because, like, every so often on the on our live blog." Bayern get linked with him, Dortmund have been linked with him. Like, could be a bit of a market for him here. Yeah, he's been linked with, like I've seen this week, I think a price tag of about 35 million euros been banded about. And, you know, that doesn't seem unreasonable to me because, you know, he performed really well for Anderlecht last season before he picked up that injury. Uh, by all accounts, he's been performing really well for Galatasaray this season in the league and uh, in their time in Europe as well. So, you know, for a player who's obviously still quite young, he's uh, making waves on the international stage with Nigeria now, uh, playing really well in Europe. Like, don't see why you couldn't be asking for the likes of 30-odd mil for him. Yeah, I think um, something around that figure, and when you think that Liverpool got 27 million for Dominic Solanke, <laughs> yeah. then surely on your coup must be worth 375 million, must <laughs> <or something. laughs> Someone who actually scores goals. Solanke mathematics, this, isn't it? It's true, though. It's like, it has altered the market. How much would Calvert Lewin go for? Well, you'd, you'd like to Not think. Not sell him. Well, I mean, you'd but, like yeah. to think he'd go for more, but for some reason, Solanke seems to be getting more opportunities than Calvert Lewin, even though Calvert Lewin for years now has looked the better prospect than Solanke. Mm. Like even like when they were together in the England under twenties team, was it for that World Cup? I thought Solanke, uh, Calvert Lewin looked the better player out of the two there. So really weird well, to be honest that's, that's up to Bournemouth isn't it if they think that's value <sighs> for money yeah I mean in terms of on your I think Everton could be in serious trouble if they can't get a work payment for him next season just just purely for the fact that teams will know that if he can't play for Everton the, the price yeah, is going to come down um, yeah. I don't think the 30 million probably is valuation but I don't think that will have any impact on what his, his valuation will be if he goes mm. I just think if he can't get a work permit then it's going to be another loan deal, unfortunately, which is mm. obviously, you know, not ideal. Um, but I think, I mean, it's looking promising, isn't it, as far as I know that? Yeah, yeah, it's looking a lot more promising this time. Like, essentially, like, the work permit rules are just yeah. absolutely mind-boggling to get your head around. But the, the fact is now that Onyekudu is consistently in the Nigeria yeah. squad, it's not enough for him to automatically pick up a work permit because he needs to have played... I think it's 75% of Nigeria's games over the last two years. Yeah. So his injury for Anderlecht is still affecting that, really. So even though he's been in the Nigeria squad a lot this year, uh, it's it, it won't mean he gets an automatic work permit, but it means that we've got a lot more cards to bring to the table because there's, like there's like a little board that you can appeal to to get a work permit uh, at the start of a season. So 
Uh, Everton have got a lot more cards to play with if, when they go to that board. So confidence has grown and grown like every week. You know, the more he plays well for the likes of Galatasaray, the more he gets into the Nigeria squad, the more chance we've got of getting him yeah. next season, it's which just is a shame. promising. Shame that he hasn't been able to play the past year or 18 months because you would expect mm. with him in the team, we would have at least obtained, what, six, nine points out of that. And that pushes us right up to seventh, doesn't it? Well, that's it. it it's just it instantly just breeds more competition into the team as mm. well. Like, even, like, if he's not necessarily playing well, you'd like to think it'll up the performances of the likes of Richarlison, Bernard, Luchman, trying to force their way into the squad ahead of him. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing him yeah. in Royal Blue next season, definitely. Definitely. I'll ask you a question each before we uh, kind of open it up again. But I'll stay with you, Adam, for this one, because uh, Stephen Grady asked, what type of striker will the club bring in? Experience, 29 to 31 years, age range, uh, to, to bring Dominic Calvert-Lewin through and support his development, or for him to be the number nine, uh, in tw- sorry, for him to be the number nine in 12 to 18 months, or do you think he'll be another young and hungry kind of striker? I think I think the latter out of those. I think uh, all, the, all, the, all the talk that you heard, and from the likes of, Marcel Brands, Marco Silva, even Farhad Mashiri over the last few weeks has been trying to hone in on how much the young players at the club are crucial. You know, Calvert-Lewin has been talked up loads recently, so is Luchman, so is Richarlison. I think they don't want to hamper their progress uh, as much as they possibly can. So I don't think bringing in an experienced sort of 29 to 31-year-old would really fit into the... Uh, the moulds that we're trying to build uh, at Everton over the le- next couple of years, uh, it's. I think it's going to be more like, you know, as as Ian said before, you know, somebody of like the Richarlison sort of mould, somebody who's maybe, maybe fluid in a few positions over that front three. You know, somebody who's young, someone who's hungry, someone who's got a lot of energy. You know, somebody who can you can instantly say, yeah, he's a he, he fits into what Marco Silva wants uh, playing up front, but doesn't necessarily hamper the progress of. You know, the likes of Richarlison himself or Calvert Lewin. Sam, one for you. Tony McKellen says, Who do the panel think, or who do you think in this instance, is the priority position for the club this summer to get amongst the Sky Pool Six? Obviously, talking about the big six there. And do you think an idea of who it might be? Do you think you're striker? Are we still on striker there? I don't think so. No, I'd, I'd probably prefer to see us sign a, a centre back or a, or a centre midfielder because obviously. Get out. Get out. Well, you don't know about, you don't know about Zuma. <laughs> you look at the. Obviously, it's hard to say, but the impact Van Dijk's had at Liverpool uh, completely turned them into into title contenders, really. And I, I still think, you know, there's a, there's a few futures in, in central midfield, like Adrissa Garnagay and, and Andre Gomez, which we don't necessarily know what's going to go on with them this summer. So, for me, they're the, they're the two biggest positions that we need to definitely start working to improve in the summer. <laughs> I'm quite interested. Sam's, Sam's looked at his fuming. I'm interested by your, your, your choices there, mate. But this kind of touches on something Chris Bundell asks. He says, is it just me who thinks that Gomez has dropped off the pace recently? The last two to three games, he's dwelled on the ball and been caught in possession. Don't get me wrong, he's still had moments of class, but just seems to be a bit slow at the moment and not up to the pace. Like, you know, is... I remember when we listening to podcasts, being on any podcast two, three months ago, and it was just like, whatever it takes, get him in from Barcelona. Given the fact that there's not going to be hundreds of millions to spend this summer, for you three, do you think there's a decision to be made there? Is there more pressing priorities, or are you like Sam? That's that's an edit pitch that really needs strengthening. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I think it's an important area for us to strengthen. I wouldn't say it's pr- my priority. I still think... Personally, my priority would be a right back. I think 
think even, we need, even though Coleman's improved these last couple of games, I think, or yeah, I think we just still need to. Im- I think we still need to improve mm-hmm. our options at right back, and then you, then you're looking towards you know like maybe your centre mids, your strikers, uh, centre backs, as Sam says, with Zuma's future still in question. But on Gomez, I think I don't know. Like you look at how many games that he actually played for Barcelona last season. He got, I think he got 16 games in La Liga last season, which it amounted to something just under 700 minutes of action. Uh, before the Chelsea game, uh, Gomez had already played 1,000 more minutes for Everton in the league this season than he had in the whole of last season for Barcelona. Plus, he played over a hectic, festive period for the first time in his career. You know, you start, you start to see then how fatigue might have come into his game a little bit. So, you know, he was probably... In that October, November sort of period, he came into the side and he just looked on it. Like he was he was instantly the best player on the pitch, I thought. But he was quite quite honestly probably playing on adrenaline for a lot of that. You know, he'd just come back from injury. You know, he's coming off the back of not playing a lot of football for, you know, nearly a year at that point. So it it, it it's really interesting to see how he's developed over the course of the season. But I don't think I'm necessarily disheartened by it. I'm just I don't think we've seen the best of Gomez yet. I think if we were to bring him in in the summer, and I think it still should be a priority to bring him in in the summer, uh, get a full pre-season behind him, I think he could be absolutely key next season still. I, th- I think his slump coincided with the, cl- the, the team slump, mm-hmm. didn't it? Yeah. And like Adam said, the, was it was it October where he came into the team? Roughly yeah, Palace, Palace, Palace game, game, yeah. Which is when we started... We're winning Blame games. Man. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to directly say it was Andre Gomez who was winning us the games, but obviously contributed to the fact that we were picking up wins. And then obviously, you know, it's been said so many times the Derby has hit and everyone's been in a slump. And without trying to make excuses for him, but he's probably used to a winter break, isn't he? Um, mm-hmm. You know, two, three weeks off in Spain and, you know, come back revitalised. And he hasn't had that chance. And he definitely has had a slump, like he, but... I think everyone has, haven't they? And now, I wouldn't say he's back to his best by any means, but no. it's certainly, you know, signs that he that he is. And, you know, the points have started to slowly um, being picked up a little bit. So I would definitely aim to sign him in the summer. Obviously, it just depends on how much Barca are going to let him go for. Mm-hmm. I think that's why we're in the perfect position, though, because, you know, he still has a point to prove, really, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's a player who's played at the, the very highest level for for club and country and he'll know himself that you know the last few games probably haven't been to the absolute maximum of, of, of what he can do so I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of Andre Gomez we see yeah. towards the end of the season because you know obviously when he made his first few appearances at the club you know I just remember sitting there watching it and I was just like why aren't we all just flying to Barcelona now? <laughs> so I, was, I was willing to pay everything I had. No, yeah, I just, just to contribute Schwab, to your press trip. Barcelona. You know, and I think the derby in, individually, one, one of the best individual performances of the season. You know, he, he absolutely, you know, he had off that Liverpool midfield almost single-handedly. And, you know, in, in an alternative universe, he would have just tucked that header underneath Alisson, wouldn't he? You know, just, and we'd be trapped now. <laughs> yeah, we were. <laughs> we were like the reverse yeah. yeah. Um, and it wasn't to be, but you know, still, still exciting times to see what he can offer for the last, you know, it's weird to say, but the last few games of the season and, and prove that, you know, Everton are probably going to have to pay what? At least 20 million to, to sign him. But and I think, I think Brands and Silver are definitely cautious of spending all that money on, on one player. 
after what happened under Cumin and Walsh, you know, I think they were both very sure in, in Richarlison and what they were getting from him, but no one else kind of was getting mean as well. I think they, you know, they thought they, they were sure of what they were getting from him and, and, and he can still, he's got a lot of time to kind of build on his first few performances, but will we have another summer where we spend hundreds of million? No, we probably won't. So they, they definitely have to make sure they get the right players and, you know, I think every Everton hopes that Gomez is, is that right player for the midfield and, and he can continue developing at Everton. Just done an interview, hasn't he, with the club? A few quotes that have come out. Probably very upbeat, isn't he? Excited about some staying, obviously. Mm. He's had a lot of positive feedback from the fans and he obviously mm. sees it on social media because he's on it. So, you know, all, all for that, obviously. Yeah. Keep Sharples asks, will not finishing seventh and possible Europa League qualifications stop us from attracting better players than we already have? It kind of leads on to what Sam was saying there. Or do you think, this is me asking, last summer proves that you don't particularly need European football <laughs> if you've got someone like Brands who's obviously got contacts in the game? Yeah, I think I think it just, it, it makes the job that little bit harder because you, you can't deny the draw that the that European football does have. You know, it, it's, it's a amazing card to be able to bring to a negotiating table with a player just go yeah we can offer you an instant chance at European football uh, you've just got to find the right sort of players and I think I trust like the likes of Brands and Silver to work together to find the right targets to find the right players who are motivated enough to get us into those European places and then make us a, a success in, in Europe I'm going to completely disagree with you go on <laughs> I don't think European football and this includes Champions League football. I mean, it does, but the whole of European football necessarily means you can attract top players. I think it's no, all. Yeah, yeah all I don't think it's money. the be all and end all. I don't think it's the be so all. Europa and end League, all. we've been in it in the past probably a couple of years, season after season. We haven't we haven't attracted. We've attracted Romelu Lukaku. Don't get me wrong, but that's probably one out of them. And he was a at the time he was still young and raw, wasn't he? He wasn't the complete finished article. I remember, obviously, different time in football, but dating back to when we qualified for the Champions League under David Moyes, and we just thought, oh, these players are going to start coming in. And I thought, like, we were we were in for the likes of Scott Parker, Emre, and um, players like that. And in the end, they obviously went to they went to teams like Newcastle and Chelsea because they could offer them more money. I mean, Chelsea were probably Champions League, Newcastle Newcastle weren't. Unfortunately, I think the the law of Europe, yeah, it, it is there, but it's. It's by no means as big as mm. what money can what money can offer. I do agree, but going into what is going to be a really interesting summer for Everton, you know, we we're still trying to reduce the wage bill as much as we can. We're not going to be able no, to no. offer loads and loads of money. I agree, but that's that's yeah. what, what what my concern is. What, yeah. One of my concerns, and obviously we know the plan now. It's you know bringing younger, hungry, you know, full of energy players on a lower wage. Um, and I'm I'm going to be patient with it because of mm-hmm. you know there's people out there already saying I'm sick and tired of this. Well, it's only after what, not even one season's gone, so I'm I'm willing to stick behind that plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but not a lot of fans will, especially mm-hmm. if trophies and success doesn't come mm-hmm. come with it. It's odd that we're still only four points. I know Wolves have got a game in hand, and so have Watford, but we are still only four points off seventh place. You know, yeah. a really good end of the season. You know, could could still potentially. Just finish. I've also got a fifty pound bet, haven't I? Where, Oh, sports with Bradbury? Mm-hmm. Sean Bradbury. Oh, my God. Finish above Wolves. Dirty cop fight as well. <laughs> he is a dirty cop fight. <laughs> is that like the second game of the season? That was yeah, the second game. And there was that one point when he actually offered me 
a cash out. He was like, I'll just give you like Well he offers him a fight every day. That was just before <laughs> the withdrawal game. And he was like, Well, what else if we just pay up now? And I was like, nah, we might as well leave it. Like, I mean, is he gonna get this fifty quid? And in true effort and tradition, we absolutely clashed. But oh, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's obviously a range of factors and what the lads have talked about there. It's not just money, it's not just European football, it's not just you know, and there's, there's any amount of reasons why a player might or might not join a team. Just look at Olivier Giroud. No, I was literally about to say yeah. what you are going to say there. You know what His I mean? wife. So. <laughs> look, Joe Rimmer. Joe Rimmer is making a big brew round here. <laughs> while, while we're coming to the window, so he doesn't have to make us oh. one. Look at this. <laughs> An absolute disgrace of a man. I've always said that he's about also, Joe Rimmer. He's also incredibly tiny. Incredibly <laughs> tiny. Nothing wrong with being small. Come on, man. Let's not be heightest on this podcast. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Right, having uh, slagged off the two bosses, back to the questions. <laughs> Ian Jones, opinions on whether you think Vlasic has a future at the club, and I think again you touched on this a minute ago, and secondly, roughly how much can we hope to recruit from shifting out with the deadwood in the summer? Let's start with Vlasic, Adam. Uh You've got you've got to say from his performances at CSK in Moscow that he's got to have some sort of opportunity of making it at Everton. Like if he didn't have any if he didn't have any chance at all, if Silva wasn't a fan of him at all, then he would have been sold in the, in the last window. Like he's still an asset that Everton could have made money on if they'd have wanted to. They obviously didn't. They just didn't think that he would fit into the plans right now. I think the idea of sending him out on loan was to get him the game time that we weren't going to be able to offer him here, and it's. I think that's worked out really, really well. You know, he's performed. He performed in the Champions League. Scored the winner against Real Madrid, I believe, in the Champions League. Yeah, one nil. Like, that was, you know, <laughs> that that's amazing experience for yeah. a young player. And you know, if he comes back to the club in the summer and he's hungry enough and he wants it enough, uh, he shows it enough on the training pitch. Which you know, after Silva's quote with Luch- with Luchman over the last couple of days, you know, he values the work in training so much. Clearly, you know if. Vlasic does put that work in on the training pitch, then he's going to get his opportunities. So I think he's absolutely still got a future at Everton and I would really like to see him given a chance, you know, in pre-season, see how well he can develop, definitely. I would definitely bring him back into the fold. I just think it's a bit strange that effectively four managers didn't really fancy him. You've got Koeman, obviously Unsworth at the time, didn't even fancy him. You've got Allardyce and now Silva's seen a fit to send them Mm -hmm. out on loan. Um, the, the lad's got quality, mm. clearly. Um, so there's no question about that. Whether there's a question mark about his attitude and maybe some of the things that he said, I don't know. Um, behind closed doors, mm. but I, th- I think th- if we can't get rid of these players, we're, like we're gonna have to try and at least give them some chance. I'm not saying yeah. everyone. I mean, definitely like Savlasic, mm-hmm. um, maybe even like Sandro. Like I don't know, like. Because let's face it, it's not going anywhere. To answer Ian's second question, he's one of the deadwood, isn't he, Sandro? But he's not Uh going anywhere, is he? Unless we heavily subsidise his loan to another team again. Yeah, Mm. yeah. Or just pay him off or something. Yeah, that's the only way it's going to happen. I think going back to your point on Vlasic, I think uh, the mood around the club wasn't exactly amazing when he first joined. Mm. Probably wasn't the kind of thing that he was going to be expecting, was it? Like wasn't the kind of thing anyone was expecting. Yeah. You know, at the start of last season, Joe's just come back with a, <laughs> with a massive grin on his face. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it wasn't the kind of move anyone was expecting. And, you know, for a young player who's making his first move to the Premier League, yeah. you know, I can only presume that, that that's going to have had 
a bit of a detrimental effect on him. Like, I'm not trying to make excuses from him for him, and you know, we, none of us know the exact ins and outs of what's happened. But I think that might have played a little bit of a part, and that's why I'm hoping you know this successful loan move to CSK in Moscow, you know, brings brings that hunger back up yeah. with him. Hopefully we'll have a strong end to the campaign. Positivity will be back with us in the summer again and, you know, we can all just kick on from there. But yeah, the, the Ted Wood situation is is a, quite an interesting one because you're even going to have the likes of Kevin Morales coming back now. And there's been a few rumours over in Italy that uh, he's playing for his future a bit. Like, he would want to stay at Fiorentina, but they're getting put off by his age a little bit. So, you know, you've got got that to try and contend with. He'll still be on massive wages. Obviously, we know Sandro's wages are going to be the main thing holding anyone back. You know, me and Sam spoke to a Spanish La Liga expert about about Sandro, and he made it quite clear to us that there are many teams in La Liga who probably would take a chance on Sandro, but... For 120 grand a week. Well, exactly. None, <laughs> of them, none of them are going to do it for that amount of money. So... I'm glad I don't have the job of trying to shift that Deadwood. I'm not going to lie, because I think Brands is going to have his work cut out. But as I say, that's why we're paying him the big bucks. I think a, a big thing uh, for Vlasic, I don't think his ability is in question, as he's shown. You know, and he, he, what I like about this loan spell, he hasn't just done it in Russia. He's done it in the Champions League. You know, he helped them beat Real Madrid and, and things like that. So were you crying all. after that Real Madrid loss? I was actually. I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a big blank, blanco Easter. Was that after last year's final or was it previous? I always I always say that in here. I sat in here and worked that Champions League final with a host of Liverpool wins and I did not lose my cool. I just sat there quietly because I thought it's Liverpool, they'll score three in the last minute or something like <laughs> he that. Did, he did come back to the flat later on that night and he was just going, Sue! All night though. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think... For Vlasic, I don't think it's ability that's the problem. I think, you know, Adam touched on it there, saying about training, but I think another big thing for Brandon Silva, what we've seen with the players we've brought in, uh, some of like the community things about the players, his attitude is a is a big thing for him. But I still think then this, this Everton team needs a few kind of more, you know, maybe not arrogant, but a few more confident characters and, and, and people who, you know, there's been a few times this season when heads have dropped and you do kind of wonder, you know, who's going to take a game by the scruff of the neck and I think if maybe Vlasic can find a nice blend between arrogance and confidence and you know maybe a little bit more maturity then we, we could definitely have a, a good play on our hands but he was one of the most the, the brighter points of, of last season especially the first few months of the season so I think every Evertonian would be quite keen to mm. see him come back but you know it's it's one of them isn't it I don't think it's as black and white as that and there's things that always go on behind the scenes that you know aren't always as clear and I think it, he's definitely got a, a future up in the air I think in terms of how much could we get from, from the rest of the Deadwood I don't think it's a lot of money you know it's going to have to be loans again or you know maybe not as extreme as paying them off but essentially just saying look just take him you, you can have him you know what I mean and maybe some kind of Sunday league team in Liverpool might have Sandro <laughs> at some point <laughs> but you know the, but the disappointing thing is we spent a lot of money on people like Balassi and stuff like that and you're not going to see any of it back but if we can even just recoup the, the, the weekly wages then then that's something and you know there's a lot of young lads as well out on loan who've, who've got big decisions to make over over their future and obviously what the club want to do because there's no point stockpiling young players even like what we've seen with Tyus Brown you know he went to China you've, you've got Brendan Galloway 
uh, and, and a few others who, who are in almost the mid-twenties and have got decisions to make over their future. So I'd expect to see this summer a lot more outgoings than incomings if mm. we can find the right kind of uh, options available because, you know, that is always the risk with giving people big contracts on big money for a long time that if it doesn't work out for whatever reason, then, then you're stuck with them. And obviously it's difficult because everyone was praising Steve Walsh when we got Sanzo for five million Obviously, maybe because we got him so cheap, we've we've gave him a, a couple of extra zeros in his contract, and and it hasn't worked out. But you know, Marcel Brands could probably earn his money more this summer by getting those players out the door than particularly having a, a mad supermarket sweep kind of summer in terms of incomes. I think what's interesting as well is that there's there's players also at the club at the minute who I wouldn't exactly consider deadwood, but you'd still think that the club would be listening to offers for them and yeah. think the likes of you know Morgan Schneiderlin you know he's still yeah. he's still in Marco Silva's plans but I'd be surprised if the club weren't going to listen to offers for him James McCarthy as well you know yeah. he's been fifth for ages but now but he just can't force his way into the squad at the minute wouldn't necessarily class him as deadwood but you know you'd be surprised if the club weren't going to listen to offers for him as well so it's how much money the club can actually recoup from those kinds of players as well like it's yeah. going to be really interesting as you say and again, not even just Baines and Jagielka both out of mm. contract in the summer. It's going to be so interesting to see what happens with them because there's just been little to nowhere on what's going to happen to them at all. Like Leighton Baines in particular is the interesting one for me because you know that Huddersfield game showed that he's still he's still a quality footballer. You know he's still got Baines bags still of ability. Premier League. Yeah, he's still got bags of ability about him. So it'd be really intriguing to see if they offer him just like. Another another contract extension, like a new, another one a year, or, or yeah, or like yeah. anything like that. He's enjoying his current role, isn't it? And maybe being like a bit of a, a mm. role model around the club, or you know, he's often been linked with uh, an MLS move, hasn't he? You know, and I think yeah. he is the kind of guy who you could see him maybe thinking, see how my last couple of years in in America, where it might be a little bit more of a relaxed atmosphere. So, mm. but you know, for as much as we didn't get value for money a couple of summers ago you know you look at the likes of of them two and, and Seamus Coleman and you think you know we haven't done too bad you know obviously we've done that 75 David Moyes signings and where they are now a lot of a lot although there was a lot of ups and downs there, was, there, there weren't many expensive mistakes was there you could almost say yeah. probably pair crawls up and maybe Billy Aletinov were, were two that didn't work out as well but the rest you know I will, I will die on the hill that Billy Aletinov could have been he could have been a decent signer. The Still scored some great though, goals, didn't he? Yeah, he was, he was a scorer of great yeah. goals. I, I, I think I he feel, could have been feel, better. I like yeah. him, though. Yeah. I, I think, think he was a disappointment. That, I nowadays, I think Billy Lettner probably suits the Prem more now. I don't the, think he was helped playing on the wing. Like He, no. he has absolutely no pace whatsoever yeah. like, and, and very little skill. Like He just didn't strike me as a winger ever. And Every, you notice all of his boss goals came from that yeah, central position say, as well. United, Wolves away. Yeah. My crack theory is, who was that little... Little guy who played the first Me. half against Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> he played the first half against Leeds when we got knocked out the League Cup. And Rocky Junior. No, not Rocky Junior. Was Something. it Rocky Junior? No, no. His no. name he, was Junior. Yeah, he was the midfielder. Oh, Francisco, Francisco Junior. Junior. Francisco yes. Junior. I think now Francisco Junior would have made it, Evan. He's because he would have just been like he's still knocking about playing somewhere, isn't he? But he was just—he's only twenty-seven, you know. It's, it's the international yeah. break. What's happened to Francesco Junior? There you go. He was an idea for you. He came out as an Alki, didn't he? Sam Reader. 
Is it? You've been on the aisle with him, have Florida. He left Everton and went to I think it was like some other club, and then like he said, like he has to he had to turn into drinking because he was a bit of a bit of an alky, and he was like drinking while he was at Everton. So. I'm not going to say anything. Right, <laughs> four more questions to go. Matthew Barry, second. Do you think that Dean Bernard partnership can be effective as Baines and Pienaar were for us? That's a big shout, but you know what? I, I personally, you can see signs. Yeah, there's the signs there, isn't there? Like, saw in that Newcastle game, like particularly in the first half, like, you know, the second half didn't work out as, as we all wanted. But in the, <laughs> in the in the first half, there was some, like, that reverse ball that Bernard plays was just absolutely quality. You know, there's some... Really good signs of really good link up play down that flank. Uh, sort of a few times in the Chelsea game, like Chelsea dominated possession, so there wasn't really that much opportunity for it to happen against Chelsea. But, you know, I'd be looking to maybe see that more against West Ham. You know, you'd, you'd hope we'd dominate the ball a little bit. I know we're away from home, but you'd be hoping we'd see a lot more of the ball uh, and be creating a lot of chances. And I'd trust them to create chances more down that left flank than a would necessarily with Coleman and Richarlison down the other flank. I think Coleman in particular, like even though he's improved over the last few weeks, still think his delivery in the final thirds desperately needs improving because mm. there's so many times when he'll just get to the byline or the edge of the box and then cross it and hit the first Too man. Fiddle. Like and it's just. <laughs> He was a lot better against Chelsea. He was Defensively, he's been really sound, but yeah, I know yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Even Chelsea, second half, he had a lot of joy. Even Liverpool, it wasn't there, yeah. was it? Uh, but like, to compare to compare Dean and Bernard to Baines and Pienaar, it's maybe a little bit early. I think we're forgetting yeah. how much of a telepathic connection you know, Baines and Pienaar had. They, like, it, like, it seemed so obvious what they were going to do all the time, but they somehow just managed to jink their way past three, four players down that flank all the time. Like no Premier League defence no. could could put up with them. Like especially like it was that 2010, 2011 sort of sort of phase. They were just just ripping defences apart. It was just lovely to see, to be honest. So may, maybe we're stretching a, li- a little bit. And plus, like they they the two names don't really fit together very well. No, Dean I'll, Yards doesn't Dean, really, doesn't really. Yeah, I don't mind that. Dean I think it's not as it's not yeah. as good as. Bernard. A lot of going to depend on Silver, isn't it? He likes to rotate his front, you know, four effectively. If that's mm. what you want to call him, you know, Bernard has played on the left, but he's played central. He's played on the right. He's going to need a consistent run of games on that left with uh, Dean, obviously, to you know to show any sign of a partnership building. When we we have had that over the past couple of games, so uh, long may it continue for it to for it to be, you know. As a success as it was for Baines and PNR, I'm going to sit on the fence, obviously, and say only time will tell. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, I'll give you the next question from Leon Person. Are we playing our best formation? We've always gone on about the need in a striker. I think playing too close together at the front would make them more effective. Is Marco blind to this, or is it just that we don't have a finisher? Yeah, probably. He is not set in his ways, but it just seems to be every Everton manager has played this system for such a long time now. Or yeah. variations of it, but you know, that kind of one man, three behind. Yeah, I think when we've when we've played more of a four three three style, we've we've looked a little bit better and a little bit more fluid. You know, the four two three one did definitely seem to be the the downfall of Martinez, but he kinda of played it with like an inverted left winger, didn't he? And and that was quite strange and and then Kuman was trying to fit three, four attacking midfielders in into that system as you say and and now Silver's also chose to go with as well. It has just be, kind of became Everton's formation, which is, you know, I know every team has the, the kind of classic tactical 
makeup and, and you know all about it. But you know, it does seem like sometimes, especially when teams have came to Goodison and just kind of sat back and said, "Try and break us down." They've traditionally been games where we've we've struggled a little bit for for spark. And I, I, again, I think it's a good point that maybe if we could get a natural goal score, you know, it it worked fine under Kuma when we had Lukaku. Maybe someone else, you know, if we can get the wingers fine on all cylinders like Bernard, like your Luckmans and Richarlison as well, then obviously that gives you different options in in that formation and. You know, it, it can work, but it's about obviously fitting the players to it. I think the perfect example is is Leicester when they won the league. You know, they played that kind of four four one one four four two style. Every person knew the role, and it worked well. And I think it is more about trying to get players who know the position inside out than kind of shoehorning players around and and rotating too much because I still think that at the end of the day you've got to know your best 11 mm. I think the problem is as well like what previous managers have had they've tried to fit players into a formation rather than the formation around the yeah. players and you said Mark um, Silva seems to be a bit stubborn on that I think formation wise he, he still has been stubborn because he's playing the same formation but in terms of the way we've played whether it's you know, we've tried to play from the back, it hasn't worked. He, he definitely has gone a bit more direct mm. at, at times. Um, I just think every manager needs to be flexible and it's been the downfall of so many of our managers over the past couple of years, i.e. Martinez, um, you know, definitely Koeman and obviously Allardyce was just, you know, we all know what he, his game his game plan was about. So Moyes was the perfect manager for that. He had a group of players and he thought these players fit in this formation and he was happy to, to be flexible around mm. it. And Silva's got to show that he can do that. Well, I mean, he has shown, to be fair. Like, we have played three at the back a good few times this season. Yeah. Like, that, Bur- that Burnley away <laughs> performance is the particular one that stands out to me because I thought, yeah. I think that was probably Yeni Mina's best game for the club. Like, I you know he played really well in the two yeah. games against Chelsea and in the uh, Anfield derby, but I think that personally was, like, his best performance. Uh, but what was intriguing as well is that we did play two players quite close to each other up front. It was... Theo Walcott played quite close to Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison wasn't in the team and that was probably Walcott's best game of the season as well Yeah, like, which was really intriguing to see so maybe you know injuries and suspensions have perhaps stopped Silver from experimenting a little bit more with that kind of system because mm-hmm. you know we haven't really had Zuma, Mina and Keane all fit and available for a lot of the season to be able to try and play that system a lot of the time but yeah, I, I do agree in some senses that maybe this formation isn't isn't working out for the best. But I think in any in any way that you're trying to switch off our formation with the players that we've currently got, the main man that sticks out as the problem for me is Gilfie Sigurdsson. I don't see how you can fit him into any other formation than the one we're currently playing. And with the way with the goal return that he's getting this season. You can't really leave him out, so it's a strange one because at some point during the season when things went concrete, he was part of the problem, mm-hmm. and now we've well he's at a, a he's better a, form, yeah, hasn't yeah. he? So it's like well, it's working now. So and it's funny that you mentioned the Walcott and Dominic Carvalho in partnership because um, I suggested that weeks ago 
mm. on the, um, one of the pods. And oh, here we go. No, no, <laughs> no. What I'm saying <laughs> is a crawl. I did suggest you got through for my minutes and issue about fighting. We all know what happened. Yellow card. There's still time. Give him a yellow card. Yellow card. Oh, yeah, I've got cards at home for my six-year-old lad. I'll bring them in. Yeah. Actually, should we bring them in? What happens if someone gets sent off? Do they have to leave the room? Yeah, go out. Yeah. Oh, oh, you go. Wow. You hear the door slamming behind you. I'm gonna appeal it. So go on, you, you were just giving yourself all the credit for this. No, I wasn't. I was just saying, I, I did like kind of, you know, when we weren't scoring goals and it was like, what options have we got? What permutations shall we do? And it's like, why don't we just play? It was just one of them, like a fan shout. Let's play Walcott and Dominic Carver-Lewin up front. Let's play two up front. And then Dominic Carver-Lewin's gone in by himself and look how well he's done. So just because you've, well, I suggested this doesn't mean it's, it's going to work. But I think two up front could be definitely an option as going back to the question that was asked, like, Thank God nobody listened to Gav's suggestion of playing Michael Keane at right back here. I know. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> filthy. Hey, a filthy uh, he definitely needs to be sent off for that, that one. absolutely <laughs> blew my head off, that suggestion. That was <laughs> Michael Keane playing right back in the 1,000-seater Bramley Moor Stadium, according to Gav. <laughs> I think Sigurdsson's been a strange one, though, hasn't he? He's been up and down. I think when he's been good, he's been really good and he gets goals. And, and there was maybe a, about five to ten games where you, you were kind of just thinking, like, you know, what it is even playing, what what's he what's his role, what's he doing kind of thing. But you know, you can't argue with the fact that him and Richarlison could both finish on fifteen plus goals and great percent. two players <clears throat> to do that. If you can tighten up at the other end and maybe get one more player to get you ten goals, there's no reason why you should not be knocking on, on the doors of the top six. And you know, I think Sigurdsson's a little bit older, isn't he? So maybe the next season or two are probably gonna be as the but really they should be the best years of his of his career that we have him for now and I think Evertonians more so than last season now are learning to appreciate Gilfie Sigurdsson and, and what he brings to the team mm-hmm. two questions to go let's get through these uh, Stephen Kembry I realise this is sacrilege but Big Dunk has remained as first team coach since 2014 where managers have come and gone does he warrant his position in terms of passing on what it means to be a blue the answer is yes but isn't it a results business Adam along with Phil and Preno, you're down at, at Finch Farm, you know, when you speak to the strikers, what have they got to say about Duncan? What do you think of the question? All, all the strikers have mounds and mounds of praise for the amount of work that Duncan Ferguson does with them on uh, on the training field, especially Calvert-Lewin, you know, being being the young striker that he is, you know, he's got a lot to learn from the likes of Ferguson, especially, you know, playing in the role that he is at the minute, you know, playing up front by himself, he's got to be a bit more of a physical presence and, you know, who's better to learn from than Duncan Ferguson in that, in that sort of area. So all I'll say is the uh, the likes of Silver and Cumin have all come in and they've ex- they've assessed the staff that are currently at the club and they've all decided to keep Duncan Ferguson on from, from what was it, 2014 onwards. So, you know, he must, be, he must be doing a lot of things right to impress so many managers in my head. So, um, yeah. Real Ferdinand, this was no joke, by the way, last week on BT Sport after the Champions League match compared Cristiano Ronaldo to uh, Duncan Ferguson in his yeah, prime. Yeah, he said so, it was a Duncan yeah. Ferguson editor, didn't he? Obviously, yeah. as a player. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was a handful as a player, wasn't he? Um, and the fact that Rio Ferdinand, one of the best uh, defenders probably in, in the English game, has, uh, has said that about him. You would definitely, definitely keep him around as a coach. I know he's worked his way up, Duncan, from literally the bottom as a coach to, to, to where he is now. Um, we don't see what goes in and out, but as Adam said, uh, I don't think anyone's got a bad way to say about Duncan as a coach. I think it's a dangerous game. You know, you see, we've seen it a lot of times when it's going wrong, you know, suddenly it's the fitness coach and it's yeah, the goalkeeping yeah. coach and it's mm, the yeah. first team coach. And 
as much as it may well be the fans a, 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 con- a contributing <laughs> yeah. factor I think it's a dangerous game to start pointing fingers at people when you don't kind of know what none of us watch training none of us are allowed to unless you're Marcelo Bielsa with your binoculars <laughs> yeah. behind Taylor Wood you, you, you don't know what kind of people getting promoted for that don't we <laughs> you, know, you, you don't know what goes on do you so I, I think it'd be unfair to start saying it's, it's unfair to start saying yes or no really but all, all we can take is our face value what the players say about Duncan and and and, and really until a manager or someone higher up gets rid then there's no point questioning the work of the staff it's what we've got what we've got to work with and hopefully they can bring more success next season and Calvert-Lewin can score a few Ferguson-style headers especially against Liverpool at the at the Gladys Street end and that'll do us maybe strangle a few less people maybe in, funnily enough no. in our house <laughs> keep that up in my mum's house when you walk in on the right on the hallway is a picture of Ferguson holding me when I was like two weeks old not then, strangling him, can I clarify? Where's this going? But then in the living room, we've got the portrait of him strangling Stefan Front. Oh, at Leicester. So that hangs, that hangs in the living room. So it's a, it's a proper event house. <laughs> Good stuff. Last question from Russell Lane. What's the most exciting game you've seen at Goodison? His is a 3 3 win over Leeds in the 74 75 season. And if, if memory serves me right, it was voted game of the season on match today. I'll kick us off. My personal one was Everton 4, Liverpool 4 uh, in the FA Cup. Like, showing your age, I'm, I'm showing my age. I'm not, old, I'm not as old as Russell, but I'm old. And uh, <laughs> I just remember crying and want to go home, which was yeah. really set the tone for every derby that's followed. For you guys, what is it? Good as some best game you've been to. Most, exci- most, no, exciting. most exciting. Sorry. Most exciting. Don't be yeah. moving the goalposts. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We ain't going to Most, like, most <laughs> exciting is probably the 3 3 again. Against Liverpool a few years ago, Martinez season. Yeah, 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 great game. Yeah, that, I think that was mm-hmm. that, that was an absolutely mad game. Either mm. that or the three three against United. You can't, like, it's go, one. Uh, All right, you can only allow one because yellow, that was yellow. <laughs> well, fuming now. What about the? Uh, what about that? Who fa- created this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Bit of an in joke that one. But. The the five three against Blackpool. That just seemed oh, like it was going absolutely game. insane. Just, there felt, for that. just felt yeah. like a game of FIFA. What what what, what sticks in my head about that game is a. Uh, when Blackpool, I think it's, they scored their first goal. Charlie Adams took a corner and hit the first man. And, and all Gladys screamed, went, Oi! Yeah. And then it just went through to Baptiste and he scored anyway. Adam, and he Adam went like that, didn't he? Yeah. Which was uh, a, sign of, a sign of things to come. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's been a, that, that one. I know Kroll isn't letting us pick more than one here, but. <laughs> no, but you just. Right, mine, the ball, the ball mine was the United 3 3. Well. And why, why is that in? But that weren't particularly exciting. That, 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 just... that weren't exciting. No, that was 3 1. And then in the last minute, it was exciting. What do you mean? The parameters of the question was more an, an overall exciting game. It was an exciting game overall, I thought. Yeah, I do as well. It was a decent game. We were 3-1 down with a minute to go and we scored two. Wasn't that the one where the Liverpool fan drove past Goodison playing You'll Never Walk Alone because all the Everton fans were coming out and it was intense like buzz off the Evertonians and then in the end we drew three all and they end up filming it on YouTube <laughs> and just Evertonians yeah. surrounding yeah. the car and singing like Zed cars. And stuff, <laughs> a good moment. Even, even if we... You know, won that game. That was a bit of a silly thing for him to do, really, wasn't it? Oh, definitely. We didn't. Obviously, this wasn't a good one, but the four-four at Old Trafford was one of the best as well. Do you know what really was an exciting game as well? We, I, I know we got beat, but we got, when we got beat three-two by Chelsea and Drogba scored that absolutely. Mm. Where Howard was standing, Lampard's got a yeah, great goal yeah, as well. Yeah, where was standing, I remember like the 18-yard box, weren't he? I remember that being quite a good game. I think if we're just going all out and saying so many, then I'm just going to go with Fiorentina as well. That yeah. was so exciting. Yeah. Like, me, like, me, me Can't believe we didn't win that in normal time. Still. Yeah. 
from you know happiness to despair yeah in the space of 120 minutes <laughs> such is the life of an Evertonian yeah. I think that's the perfect note to end on the yeah. name of the podcast <laughs> yeah. happiness and despair happiness yeah. <laughs> <laughs> despair great name yeah see you later agenda <laughs> thank you very much for all your questions particularly the ones from my Facebook friends uh, we will be back <laughs> in a couple of weeks uh, again I hope you've enjoyed it I, I enjoyed hosting it do you, do you like it lads do you think it's got legs this it was alright I've, I've enjoyed <laughs> kick crawl off next time <laughs> I've enjoyed the fact Wheelow has been stroking my leg under the desk for the entire podcast I missed you that week you're away (laughs) what can I say thank you very much you've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo